Hello, welcome to another in our series of short podcasts looking at the implications of Brexit in the event industry. I'm Martin Blunt, and in this series we'll be meeting experts in haulage, GDPR, tax, and in this podcast we're talking with Michelle Tudor. She's Senior Associate at Moore Barlow Solicitors. Michelle specialises in employment and business immigration matters. Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. I guess you've been busy. Lots of different changes, I would imagine, in your area of the law since uh, the 31st of December. Yes, very much so, especially in in the area that we're going to talk about around uh, immigration. That's a big topic of discussion at the moment. Now, we can't discuss in every tiny detail, every possible scenario. I guess every case you look at is very individual. But maybe it would be good to look at a few areas and understand what we should be kind of thinking about as we employ people from the EU, or indeed how we employ UK staff to provide services in the EU. Shall we start at home? Many businesses for many years have had EU nationals already employed. Can we just do a quick check of what should have been done by now? And do we have any wiggle room to maybe complete some paperwork? What has to happen? Absolutely. So coming out of uh, the Brexit agreement, we have the EU settlement scheme. So that is a scheme that allows those EU workers already resident in the UK before the 31st of December to stay in the UK to live and to work. And that's based on residency only. So we have settled status for those that have five years residency or pre-settled status for those who have less than five years residency in the UK. So what those individuals need to do is make their application for their settled or pre-settled status before the 30th of June. So as an employer, what you should be doing is making sure that anyone you employ from the EU is aware of it and is aware of the deadline and is making their deadline, uh, their application in good time. Uh, Late applications are only going to be accepted if there are exceptional circumstances so it's important to meet that deadline of the 30th of June. So prior to that as an employer you can ask for updates from your EU workers, you can ask them to confirm if they have made their application. What the rules say at the moment is that you can't require someone to provide you with evidence but from the 1st of July you would need to carry out a new right to work check and there'll be an online portal that you can use that will enable you to do that easily. So therefore employees have got a, just a, a short period now to complete paperwork and make applications if they, uh, if they haven't already done so. Other than a bit of encouragement, nothing for employers to do, but on the 1st of July we've got to get on this portal. Yes, exactly. Okay, well that's, that's fairly self-explanatory. What about the scenario where we'd like to employ somebody completely new from the EU. This is a completely new person into our into our business. I, I guess that's all changed as well. Yes, it has. So you will need to establish from day one whether they have the right to work in the UK already. So if this individual is resident in the UK already or was before the 31st of December, then until the 30th of June, you can continue to rely on their passport as evidence of their right to work and again from the 1st of July they would need to demonstrate that they have settled or pre-settled status. If they don't fall under the settled or pre-settled status route then they might have some other 
reason why they are able to work in the UK. They might be through marriage. It might be because they're a dependent of someone who has a work visa already. Otherwise, you're looking at what we call the points-based system. So the UK's immigration system is is a points-based system. And there are, are various different routes into the UK under that system. Um, far too many to, to mention now uh, without us being here for hours. But the route that we are looking at predominantly um, for anybody who is living in the EU and wants to come to the UK to work is the skilled worker route for those who um, perhaps have some knowledge already of the UK's immigration system. That's what they used to call the tier two route. So the skilled worker route would require a UK based employer to hold a sponsor license so that they can sponsor that foreign worker to come to the UK to work for them. So their visa will be linked to their employment with a particular employer who holds a sponsor license. So there are various requirements that you need to be aware of if you're going down the skilled worker route. And I guess that's very similar to the way that we traditionally have employed people if we wanted from the United States, Africa, Asia, yes, anywhere else in the world. Exactly. If you're used to work, to employing people from, from outside the EU, then you'll be quite familiar with that system. It's quite a complex system. It's also very expensive. Um, so it's that is one of the things that we are seeing most of all is the um, the surprise amongst employers as to how complex and how expensive it now is to employ people from outside of the UK who are coming to the UK specifically to work. The events industry, the, the world that we're talking to today, very much a project-based industry. Yeah. We have a lot of freelancers involved, some brilliant freelancers. Some of them, of course, used to, or still do, live in the EU. Um, we could just call them up and employ them in the same way that we we could have somebody uh, on a short-term or self-employed basis working for us for uh, a day, a week, or three months. How's that changed? So... Anyone uh, who works as a, a, a freelancer, if they have a history of coming to the UK to work as a freelancer in the past, so they're not resident here, they're resident in their home country, wherever that might be, Spain, France, Germany, um, but they've got a history of working in the UK, then there is a new route that's become available since January, and that's called the Frontier Worker Permit. So that enables people who are... Um, have a pattern of working in the UK and still need to come to the UK to work to be able to do so. So that's something uh, I hadn't heard of. So I, I guess a lot of people will be wondering uh, how that will work. Presumably there is information on that somewhere. Perhaps we'll take some websites and bits and pieces from you at the end because uh, that's something I hadn't heard of before. Absolutely. that's it. It's a, it's a really good route for somebody who has a a history of working in the UK, they they would need to make a, an application for a permit in advance to come over here. Um, it's There's no cost to that. At last, something without a cost next to it. Yes, exactly. Um, so they just need to sh provide some evidence that they'd worked in the UK before and how often and the type of work they'd done. Um, there is a requirement for it to be eligible work, which is simply that it needs to you need to prove that you've done genuine and effective work and more than just sort of coming over for an interview or, or a one off meeting that you've actually done work in the UK. But, you know, it, I think that's going to prove to be a very popular route for um, freelancers. 
that'll that'll preclude of course the, those that are just starting in their freelance career but at least those that are already relying on work or business is here that rely on these people at least it can continue so that's 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 good news yes the other burning question that we're all trying to get our heads around uh, once we're through covid of course and we all start to travel around again we understand that we can go and visit the eu on i think it's described as as holiday or uh, indeed business for 90 days in 180 keep hearing that all the time <laughs> The question, uh, the burning question, what is considered business and when does business become work? That is a very good question and one that I suspect will continue to be debated for um, several years as we get used to this new post-Brexit world. Um, the, the way that they're described are activities, business activities rather than work. So what they have in mind is things like coming to an attender meeting or a conference or a training seminar, or perhaps a, a trade fair or an exhibition. It also would allow you to go and meet with your clients who are based overseas. So to negotiate sales or to discuss the supply of services and to enter into a contract. But what it says is that you, the supply of those services, for example, or the work done to fulfill that contract would need to be done in the country in which the company doing the work is based. And this idea of business activities is a is a two-way street. We also have a visitor visa for people from the EU who want to come to the UK to work. And they are subject to similar limitations, which is their activities um, rather than actually doing work. It's a bit of a grey area and it's going to be a fine line um, in some circumstances. I've been having conversations lately with, with clients about how far you can push the business visitor route, but it's intended to be very short term activities rather than long term projects where you're coming to do work for a client or a customer. So in, in the event industry that we're talking about today, I could see that I could go and see my clients in, in Germany, Brussels, wherever, but perhaps even go and look at a venue that we were thinking about using because that's that's just looking I'm not doing any work I'm actually just thinking about taking up a contract with these people but as soon as we get off a plane to and there are lots of things that we used to do event planners logistics people uh, AV people people building sets all of those people won't be able to use that 90 day in 180 arrangement how do we go about making sure that they can continue to work is there a is there a way for that to happen so Largely, um, you're going to have to look at each country individually. There are some shared routes, and there's one in particular that um, I'll mention in a moment, but in general, the, the burden is going to be that you're going to have to look at the routes into the country that you want to visit. So Spain could be different from Germany and Germany could be different from France, for example. But what came out of the again, what came out of the Brexit agreement is this idea of contractual service suppliers and independent professionals. And again, it's a two way street. We have what they call a temporary worker international agreement route for people coming into the UK, which would enable individuals doing certain types of work to go into the EU for up to 12 months or the length of the contract to fulfill a contract. So that again is going to require advanced clearance through a visa application 
um, and the chances of getting that visa will depend on the type of service being provided and the eligibility criteria required by the country that you are going to to do that work but that is something that is anticipated by the rules and will hopefully prove to be a useful asset to people who are used to doing business in the EU and need to be able to send workers to the EU to fulfil those contracts. I guess because of COVID, none of this has been tested yet. So nobody knows exactly how this will work because nobody's had the experience of, of actually doing it yet. Exactly. Yes. Again, it's going to be something that we, we're all going to be getting used to in the next hopefully the next year or so as we come out of the pandemic and we can start traveling again. But for now, it's very much an idea. So uh, in the event industry, of course, I mean, I can understand that some industries actually being able to deploy somebody to fill a contract for up to a year would be really useful. You make a visa application and off they go. For us uh, in events, they're often very short term pieces. You know, you might have a week-long conference somewhere and you want to have a few of your senior people there to oversee, to to run it, your most qualified AV people, so that you, you have the people that you know actually behind the desks, working the equipment, providing the services. A visa for a week, uh, I, I presume it will have to be just for per contract, so is that going to be an expensive and quite time-consuming uh, activity? It's, I mean, it's likely to involve a cost because you will need to, or you may wish to speak to someone, an immigration advisor within the country that you want to visit to make sure that you understand the eligibility criteria for that route. So there is going to be an extra cost and there will be a cost, no doubt, to making that application as well. These applications need to be made in advance. And you need to allow time for those applications to be considered. Um, again, I, I can't speak too much to, to um, how long it might take if you were making that application in the EU. But knowing how it's working in the UK, there have been certain delays caused by the pandemic um, that has meant that some applications you know, will take weeks to be considered. It's not necessarily a quick turnaround. So it is something that the events industry is going to have to start building into its plans from day one, rather than suddenly thinking about it a month before an event, oh, we need to get the visas in place. Um, it's something that needs to be part of the planning process, I would say. I guess the timescale and the cost is also going to change. If it's an individual country thing, then different countries will have different timescales. I, I can see the DMCs that we that we work with often uh, around Europe will we'll start perhaps offering this as uh, as a service linking into to their immigration uh, advisors. But uh, we've got to get actually out there and working and it's going to take a year or two to bed down. Yes. And hopefully in time it will be it will become part of the normal for you um, as part of, of what you do to run these events. But for now, it's very new and a little uncertain. Well, we, uh, we'll probably have to invite you back uh, in six <laughs> months or a year um, when, when things have settled down a little bit and uh, because it'll be, it'll be easier to answer some of these things from experience rather than the, the kind of peering into the future. But uh, that's a really good insight, so I, I thank you for that. Uh, lots of people have lots of other questions. Is there anywhere that people can go to uh, actually maybe read up or learn a, a little more? 
Yes, so the government website, gov.uk, has a pretty useful section, actually, on um, UK visas and immigration. So I would definitely recommend that people look there. There's a lot of information on there and guidance documents that will explain more about the different routes. Um, and of course, people can always pick up the phone or, or come to us at More Barlow. Our website has um, some of that information and we'll also have our contact details on there. My guest today, Michelle Tudor, Senior Associate at More Barlow Solicitors. Really useful stuff. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you very much. You'll find other podcasts in this series available on your preferred podcast platform, all focused on the event industry. We're adding to the library all the time, so please come back soon. I'm Martin Blunt. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 